So the most important thing is really to point out the purpose. As I said already before, if you let them know in the beginning that basically the purpose of the game is to demonstrate principles of working, principles of leadership and so on, mm -hmm. then they understand what you actually do it and why you do it. And then they're open-minded to it. Doesn't matter on which level you are. Welcome to the Azure Working Model Podcast. My name is Roman and I'm looking forward to host you in today's episode. Welcome everybody to today's episode of the Agile Working Model Podcast. Um, today I have Sabina here from the home office, Sabina Lamad. Uh, hardly welcome, Sabina. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, it's very nice that we met again. Uh, we met actually, I don't know, it's like roughly a year ago together in one of your public coachings for uh, product owners. And today I'm having you here in my podcast. And we will talk together about one of your, I would say, um, expertise, Agile Games. So the title of today's episode is Agile Games, the playful way to understand and adopt Agile methods. And I'm quite curious what you will tell us about those topics, um, because you, I think, have a catalog you just told me about. 30 plus games. Um, I didn't actually even know that there are so many games in the Agile world. Actually, there are even more games. So this is like just the collections of the games I already played and from which I know that they are good because there are also a lot of Agile games, which from my point of view are not that useful or are too complicated to um, use them in a training, for example. Mm -hmm. Maybe let me quickly introduce you. I said already um, that you worked um, in public trainings at Boris Gloga. So coming back right now to you, uh, you're living in Munich. You're German. I know that you love sketching. Um, you have a lot of skills in sketching. So visual design of uh, meetings or ideas. Um, Sabina is also very good in that. Uh, you love playing games, obviously. And I was going through your LinkedIn, um, kind of bit of stalking you and found out that you actually studied biochemistry and neuroscience and then on top an MBA, which is quite interesting path of learning. And um, right now you're basically freelancer, um, you're a facilitator for trainings, workshops and so on in the world of Agile. Um, maybe you can, you know, just say some more sentence about your person. Did I miss something? Is it roughly um, what represents you well? So you got it absolutely right. Um, obviously, for an agile coach, this is a quite unusual um, way. I studied, as you said correctly, biochemistry and neuroscience because I wanted to improve the world. So I wanted to contribute somehow to a better world. And now at the day of coronavirus, we can see how researchers and how the pharma industry and universities can do such a thing, how they can improve living conditions. And this is how I started into my business world. I became project manager in the biotech industry. And with the time, I realized that actually this classic project management does not meet my mindset because I'm yeah, let's say rather the agile type of person. Mm. I love to inspect and adapt. Mm -hmm. And this is um, how I ended up. 
as an agile coach because I just love this way of working, this way of learning. And I also realized that I'm quite good in explaining stuff in education of all types. So this is how I ended up as a self-employed facilitator. Very nice. And you sound super happy in that role. Um, maybe for summing your person up, do you have three hashtags how you would describe yourself? So I'm definitely a hashtag knowledge junkie, All right. hashtag content simplifier, and hashtag creative educator. Cool. I like the second one, content simplifier. Never heard that word. Um, but I think in today's times, it's really needed. Breaking down context that uh, content that people understand it more easy, right? Yes, uh, I was also, I made it up this morning, this word, because I was thinking, what am I actually doing when giving trainings, when creating visualizations, when giving workshops with some leaders on, for example, company strategies? And basically what I do is listen to the people and find a more simple way to generate a big picture that everyone can get. Wow, great. Okay, um, thanks for the introduction. I would jump directly into the topic of Agile games. And um, being a bit mean, I was always thinking, you know, games is something for kids and we like to play Lego. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of uh, stuff going on for kids playing games. But for adults and especially in the world of Agile, is there an advantage to play games? Asking you that direct? There definitely is, because what do we want to achieve with these games? It's not just games for the sake of games. We, so when I introduce a game in a training, I don't only aim that the people have fun, because if, you, if this is your only aim, your only goal to have fun, then the managers, the product owners, the scrum masters, the team members will leave the training, will leave the workshop mm -hmm. and think like, what the hell have we done? We have wasted our time. Yes, it was a bit of fun, but, you know, in business life, you cannot j just play games for the sake of game. So the important thing about Agile games is that you always have a purpose behind. So mm -hmm. what I, or why it is actually a game, it is a game because you have certain rules and you give the people rules and thanks to these rules, they start to, um, to act in their usual habits because When you tell, for example, someone or a team that continuous improvement is important, everyone will nod and say, yes, continuous improvement and reflection, that is utmost important. But when you put them in a game setup mm -hmm. and suddenly they have, for example, to play the ballpoint game. <laughs> yeah, I played that one. I really then, like it. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's so much fun and such a good game. Um, then they suddenly realize that thanks to the complexity of communication and their inability to communicate, mm -hmm. then also thanks to the, um, that they don't know who has which role and that they don't let each other share the ideas in a proper way, they are not able to reflect because they're also under time pressure. So you get, give them, uh, with the game, you give them a setup in which they um, fall into their usual habits of not reflecting. And after showing them that they have this habit not to reflect, they are much more willing to adapt their behavior afterwards. So it's 
creating an environment of testing, failing, it's kind of prototype for the real world. Could you say that? It's a simulation of the real world. Mm. It's not really a prototype because you simplify it. Again, also here, it's a simplification. Mm. And you will end up every debrief of an agile game with, oh, okay, it's much more complex in the real world, but you can point out certain principles of working And this is basically what the game does. You learn through the pain of failing. <laughs> <laughs> yep, fair enough. And I think it's really important to create that atmosphere. And as you just said, it simulate at least um, certain pieces of the real world um, to, you know, to be better prepared what's coming afterwards. Um, maybe just question on that part in which fields you actually can play games when we think about Agile? You know, what different fields are having games which, which you could play? You mean like fields like leadership and so exactly, on? Exactly, exactly, for example. Um, so you can play games on, as I just said, leadership, self-organization, process flow, co-location, cross-functionality, end-to-end development, continuous improvement, wow. customer orientation, decision-making, MVP, big picture, culture, change, team building, communication. <laughs> so basically on everything. Wow. So you really can play the game regarding the whole company at the end, right? Like from beginning to the end and just deep dive into certain topics. Let's say, for example, cross-functionality and see um, what is working, what is not working in that area. Yes, that's absolutely true. And you can also, by adapting the games slightly, you can point out these different learnings, principles, and areas. Very so interesting. For example, Please go on. Just um, the example for the ballpoint game. Mm -hmm. You can debrief the ballpoint game on self-organization, on continuous improvement, on MVP, on leadership, on change, on team building, or on communication. So there's so many things you can focus your debriefing on depending on how you, yeah, on how you set it up in the beginning and how you facilitate the debrief in the end. But having the same game um, at the beginning, which is very interesting. Yes. If you're coming to a team, for example, as you um, are the facilitator, how do you actually start with them, you know, playing the game? It's like, hi, guys, we're coming together. I have the big Lego box and let's start playing. Sorry for pointing it out like that. Uh, how do you create that environment? Because I can imagine that especially when you go some staircases higher in companies where the level is more senior slash leadership, um, that people are not that open yet to, you know, easily start playing games. What is your experience in that? So the most important thing is really to point out the purpose, as I said already before. If you let them know in the beginning that basically the purpose of the game is to demonstrate principles of working, principles of leadership, and so on, mm -hmm. then they understand what you actually do it and why you do it. And then they are open-minded to it. doesn't matter on which level you are. But the problem is you really have to pay attention. I've also been to companies where they played games before which were not well instructed. So they are primed and biased in a bad way when it comes to games. Especially Lego is such a thing. If you don't prepare Lego well and if you don't um, have these warming up games in the beginning mm -hmm. and you don't explain what the purpose of each of your Lego buildings is, then 
yeah, you can burn yourself. <laughs> I, I can imagine because then at the end you're standing there with nothing and everybody's looking at you as the facilitator and like, what now? What did we learn? Nothing. We just played a bit with Lego, as you said. So setting the frame, pointing out the purpose is really the main thing uh, to get some results, some really useful results, some value out of the games. I get that. Um, so when we think about, you know, agile games and... Um, the advantage of that, um, what opportunities like afterwards when you played the games and bringing in more into real life, coming out of the simulation, bringing it into real life, what, what challenges do you see to bring it really into the real life from the simulation? Is it easy and you just take the knowledge and just go and try it out? Or um, is it really a big gap then to real life from your experience? So it actually depends with whom you play and which games you use. The most important thing is a proper debrief. Mm -hmm. If you play a game and you don't brief it, debrief it in a proper way, then you lose all of the experience and all of the purpose of the game. So in the debrief, you have multiple ways of asking questions in mm -hmm. which first the participants share their experience and their observations about the game. How did it feel to play this or that role and what they think is the transfer, the connect to the real life. And it's quite interesting. If you play, for example, in a public training, like we did back then, yeah. you were in my training yeah. and the learnings are quite different than when you play in a team that works on an everyday basis together, because when you work with, when you play with a team that works together every day, you can really see dysfunctionalities of a team, for example, in the ballpoint game, in the bongo flow game, and so on. And you can really like use the, the observations to work on these specific problems. Yeah, because they're basically kind of families sitting every day together and working and you, you know, find the pain points within that tiny family at the end, right? Yes. And it's often like small behaviors that trigger or that um, influence their collaboration in a bad way. So you can, as a facilitator, highlight them, point them out. And it's also quite good if you, for example, as a facilitator heard that they have problems in collaborating, mm -hmm. then you have afterwards really a list and can tell like in the game, I observe this and that. And based on the observation of the game, you can then conclude on if these behaviors are something from their daily business that also occur in their daily business. And the answer is like in 90% of the cases. Yes, it is. Well, very interesting. Uh, last question on that section before we come to the next part. Um, you just said there's debriefing phase. Is there like pre-briefing phase and then the main phase? Could you probably just tell us the stages of setting up the game until the debrief? Is there something like that, which you would say um, reflects to all of Agile games? So basically, I created a visualization on that <laughs> like last year. It's unfortunately in German, but this might be a, maybe a reason for me to translate it to English. Um, so we divided it into five phases. It was for one of my Agile Games training that I gave also last year. Okay. It's first of all the preparation phase where you first of all have to ask yourself, what is the game? What, uh, what is the goal, the purpose of the game? Mm -hmm. Then you have to decide which game to use. You have also to look on how many participants you have, how much time you have, how the room and the equipment is. The second part is the, ro uh, the room setup. Mm -hmm. So... How do you have to prepare the room to create the 
an atmosphere that's, that is suitable for the game. Sometimes it's only small things like where to position the food <laughs> in, yeah, order, <laughs> in order to um, yeah to create the proper atmosphere that people are not like all the time staring to the food. And also, what about music? Do you want to create like an atmosphere where people feel like comfortable mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. when they enter, there's like a nice music in the background? What about information material? What about chairs? Do you need chairs or not? So and it's really setting the stage that the atmosphere suits yes. to playing a game now. Yes. Mm -hmm. Then the third part is the moderation itself. Mm -hmm. So when I'm the facilitator and I have chosen out the game, I have to think, is a storytelling needed? Mm -hmm. For some mm -hmm. games, the storytelling is like everything. Like for the boss worker game, if you don't have a proper storytelling, people just don't get what they actually do in this game. What about psychological safety? How can you create psychological safety? You also have to think of um, if there are conflicts in the team and how you can create and how you can create an atmosphere where there are where there is no space maybe for these conflicts mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. maybe you even want to create the space to discuss later on these conflicts. Then the fourth part is um, yeah, play the game. Actually, obviously, <laughs> obviously. You have to make things like um, a transparent time box so that people know how much time they have. You also have to think about, as a facilitator, how and when to talk to the participants because you are not allowed to disturb them too much. You also have to, uh, sometimes you have to give them hints, but there are nicer ways of giving hints like, do you tell it to the group or do you go just to a single person so in the end it seems like it's the idea of that person yeah, instead yeah. of your input which also makes for some games a huge difference. And the last part is the debrief. As we said before, to really try to transfer it then back into real life from the simulation. Yes. Well, perfect. I think we will link for sure at least the German version of your um, visualization of those faces because they are really worth uh, to look through them. And believe me, those visualizations are really nice to look at. It's really good. Um, thank you very much for the first part of Agile Games. And within my podcast, I'm always having that section of um, five words and your reaction to them. So I prepared five words, which you don't know yet. And I just quickly want your first thought coming up to that word, um, just to know, you know, how do you think about those words? So if you're ready, I just read out the word. You just put me your reaction and then we go to the next word. Is that fine? I have the impression you can never be ready for that, but we will just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. I will start with the first one. Transparency. Need more of. Games. Fun. Failing. Improvement. Leadership. Mastery. Collaboration. Challenging. Nice. Uh, you were quite ready for that. You were the first one actually running through the words with just one reaction. You said leadership is mastery, right? Yes, I have the impression. So in my whole entire life, I have not met the perfect leader. Yeah. And I think this is something. Um, so the best leaders I ever met are the ones who are actually aware of that you can never be perfect, but that you always have to improve. And so it feels like, like a mastery that is like, I don't know, 
anywhere up there in the sky, tough to reach. Up there in the sky, and it's not about reaching it, it's about the process to get there. Yeah. And actually, you will never get there because you will always like fail every now and then a bit. But yeah. it's important to reflect, to improve, and of course, to share your knowledge. It's a very nice perspective on leadership. Um, I'm coming back to the part of fun. As you said, games are fun. And we thought about before that podcast, we just had a short talk um, to get um, your favorite agile game, actually. And then I was like, maybe in the times of Corona and um, that we're all sitting at home in our home office, it would be nice um, to not talk about your favorite agile game but about a game which is possible to play uh, remote as well, at least in one way. And then you came up with an idea, and that's why we want to share with you one game which you maybe can play remote now um, within your team. And I will do, give the stage back to you. Uh, Sabinia, could you just tell us how is the game called and maybe give us a short description how it works and what the idea is behind the game? So in my list of more than 30 games, there's only one game I ever played remote. And this is this game, um, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. That's a good title. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's um, also called Bomb Diffusal Games. So there are like two instructions or there's a program you have to download, you have to buy, which mm -hmm. is actually a bomb mm -hmm. that you have to diffuse. And then you can also download for free a PDF with instruction on how to defuse this bomb. Mm -hmm. And so it happened to me once that I had a remote team. So part of the team was sitting in Austria where I was facilitating mm -hmm. and acting as a coach. And the other part was sitting in Slovakia. Mm -hmm. And... What we did is that we sent them the instructions for the bomb diffusal on the one hand, and we had the people in Austria with the computer, with my computer and the bomb to diffuse. And okay. basically, and also um, one part of the people in Austria had also the manual for diffusal. So what mm -hmm. was this, the setup? One person was set, sitting in front of the computer and had no clue how to defuse this bomb. And the okay. others in Slovakia and sitting behind him had the manual to defuse it. And they were like asking questions like, how many modules do you have? And the person <laughs> in front of the bomb was like, what the hell is a module? <laughs> Because um, he never, ever in his life defused a bomb, of course. It never just reminds this. me about those, sorry for interrupting, yes. but for the, about those action movies, you know, where one guy is on the telephone and the other one is sitting in front of the bomb and you just have one minute left and it's like, okay, you have to cut that wire and this wire and the guy just shouts in the phone like, which wire? What is the wire actually? So yes. it sounds quite, quite challenging and interesting. Please mm -hmm. go on. Yes, and it was super interesting um, because... This was a team that was actually also working together. And oh, okay. the way they were communicating was 100% represent, representative for how they communicate in daily business. So they mm -hmm. had, of course, problems with Skype, which they also have in daily business. They had language communication problems. They had problems in finding out who has the right skills for what. They had problems in distributing their the work in a proper way. 
So they failed, of course, like everyone fails, doesn't matter if remote or not, when they mm -hmm. played the first round. But there's a second, a third, a fourth round. You can play as long as you want. So after six minutes, the bomb exploded. So the next one from the team in Austria was now allowed to sit in front of the bomb. Two people were switching places. Okay. And now that they had someone in the team who knew the manual and who knew the bomb because this person was sitting now in front of the bomb, they began to understand what a module is. They began to understand what the different riddles were because actually these were riddles they had to solve. Mm -hmm. And um, this was quite interesting. So by changing places, they improved in diffusing the bomb. On the same time, the people in Slovakia, because they never saw the bomb, never really had a feeling for what they are currently instructing. They were somehow always off the topic. And um, this is also how they were working together as a scrum team because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there were different disciplines. There were some mm -hmm. developers, there were some people, in this case it was an insurance, that were working in the insurance part, that were giving the content to the user mm -hmm. stories and talking to the customers. And they realized that in their daily business, actually they don't know what the other one is talking about. And based on this game, I explained them what cross-functionality is and that you also need to to um, broaden your horizon, to look also in the other disciplines beyond your own discipline to really have cross-functionality. And as a result, they decided also to make afterwards, not only to stay with the remote meetings, but to make a team offsite where they really try to understand what the other one is working and experiencing. Really nice. It's like looking, you know, around your box you're working in and to get in a real cross-functional state not just my discipline, your discipline, and we're mixing the team and now we're cross-functional, as you just said in our call before that podcast, rather than, hey, I understand your part as well a bit and you understand my part as well. And we suddenly overlap and then we come in that cross-functional working together. Mm. So I think it would have been even better if both sides would have had the bomb to defuse it like mm -hmm. later mm -hmm. on in the game. But uh, for in this case, I was it was my first time with the team, so I had no clue who's sitting in Slovakia. Okay, it's challenging. You, yes, if you do it with um, with someone with a team you already know, you can of course adapt the setup so that both teams have kind of the bomb every now. But and that's then. a nice thing on agile games; you can adjust them and make them as they fit to you. Then at the end, yes, right? definitely perfect. Thanks for sharing that one. I think that might be an interesting start in these times to just give it a try uh, in the idea of Agile. Just try and see if it works for you. Um, maybe if people, and that would be my last question on that topic, um, if people want to start now with playing games in the Agile world, do you have three recommendations you would give them right now to just say how to get started with Agile games? Yes. Um, so for me, I experienced agile games for the first time when i went to a meetup so it was here in munich and people were like there was a two women that were organizing this meetup every month it was called agile game night or still called agile game night where they were mm -hmm. basically exploring new games they never played before so mm -hmm. as the participants were there for free they did not have to pay they were like able to start these experiments with new games 
And so it was a mm-hmm. win-win situation. And um, so if you want to get started with Agile Games, try to find events like that. Agile Game Nights, or there are also things like Play 14, which is a conference on Agile Games that takes place mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. over the world. So there's also mm-hmm. a homepage I can share later on with you. Perfect. We put that in the show notes. So first thing, go to such an event. Second thing, organize Agile Game Nights or Agile game events on your own and try mm-hmm. to practice it in a safe space, not in okay. an important workshop with leaders or with your team, maybe, depending on your team, but try to practice it beforehand. And um, yeah, it's what you definitely need if you want to facilitate an Agile game is facilitation skills, which you can get through different sources like everything on facilitation yeah. and help you how to prepare it, how to set the room, set the stage and so on. Mm-hmm. And a good thing I just um, remembered for debriefing, there's one guy, his name is Julian Kea. He's also um, having a serious game podcast recently. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. also created so-called debriefing cubes. So he, these are like, yeah, he has small dice with different mm-hmm. signs and each sign is for different cards like debrief on communication, debrief on group dynamics and so on. And so that you don't ask always the same questions. And this is also quite cool like to, for reflecting on how to debrief a certain game. A very good recommendation. Could you just repeat his name because the, the connection was just a bit bad? Julian Julian. Kia. Okay, perfect. We put that name and maybe the link to the debriefing cards, boxes, cubes, you call them, right? Cubes. Yes, debriefing um, cubes. I will also share the link so you have everything in perfect. place. Wow. Um, very interesting topic. Um, to be honest, I have a very different perspective now on Agile games. And it's not only for kids, obviously. It's really creating value, um, creating an environment for simulating um, problems, uh, challenges within your team, and then trying to bring it back into your real life. Thanks for sharing so much um, of your experience, Sabina. Um, Last questions to you. How can we get in contact with you if somebody would like to invite you for facilitating, has some question, um, what would be the best way to reach you? So... The easiest way is probably LinkedIn, Instagram. I am pretty responsive to all of yep, social media <laughs> and Twitter. and um, Or you can just go on my homepage, sabinalamat.com. Mm-hmm. There's a contact mm-hmm. form. Just contact me in whichever way. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, we will just put it anyways in the, in the release notes as well so that you see everything there. Um, and... The last thing I'm always doing is I'm asking um, the people I'm doing an interview with, what is your famous last sentence you want to end up that um, episode with Sabina? So my famous last sentence is my purpose of working, which is transform every working day into an experience. That's an ending. Thank you so much for having the time today and sharing your knowledge. Goodbye to everyone out there and have a nice day.